This is Coda Radio, episode 239 for January 9th, 2017. everyone, and welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Scale Your Code. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this your show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week is the hardened, the illed, but on the path to recovery, yes, it's our host, Mr. Michael Dominic. Hello, Mike! Hello, Misa kind of dying? <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, that is very true. But you know what? Business. Business goes on, Mike. Business, baby. It's all about you. You got to chase the dollar bills. You know have what I mean? Have you had to do any like phone calls or have you been able to like stay off the phone meetings and stuff? I've like been doing was? a ton of go-to meetings and phone calls. Oh, really? Uh, so yes. that's good. Well, at least it's then so you cool. like look like you're the hardened, like uh, pushing through it, working even when I'm sick kind of contractor and that's kind of a good brand image thing well you know i have more of a solid snake sort of grizzled thing going on now <laughs> what you got to do is not shave to just sort of match it i never shave in fact i don't wear pants on go to meeting calls anymore because i work out at my house do you what are, you know every time i've seen a picture of you you're very clean shaven you're just you're just like i like a baby's no, butt truth be told i i shave to be like a baby's ass i really want to have that smooth do sort you? of thing going I shave about um, twice a week, and I just do the neck beard. That's it. Well, you, you know, my side gig, I work for uh, Anderson Cooper on To Catch a Tribe Predator. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did know that, yeah. Oh, my gosh, it's Anderson. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about that, actually. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I met Chris Hansen, but I just ended up at Anderson Cooper anyway. You know, we're going to have ourselves a, uh, a a more traditional-style Coda Radio. For those of you that liked it back in the day— we're gonna back in, the day. back in the day when we started the show out with feedback, when uh, when inboxes weren't avoided like the dark, dark black holes of humanity that they are, uh, and inboxes well, were embraced. We're gonna go back yeah, to that gonna, tradition. We are going to see how many months I can read my email for without like you know months racial slur weeks days hours. Yeah. I would say by next week, <laughs> <laughs> I will be done reading my email. <laughs> That's my prediction. So we got a whole bunch of things to get into this week, including some hoopla and some uh, some uh, well, like I just said, some some feedback. Do you want to start? Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. So uh, our we have a whole batch that we're going to get through, and uh, Bahal writes in with the first one to ask about healthcare. He says, as, as an IT entrepreneur, how do you do healthcare? Hi, Michael and Chris. I love your show, and I've been an IT jack of all trades since the mid nineties. I've been giving serious thought about going into the IT business for myself. Oh, yeah, for sure, dude. Uh, he says, I can offer monitoring, knock building, sysadmin for higher light, C, C++ developing. Dude, yes, you absolutely should. But the only thing that worries me is dealing with healthcare. <laughs> Isn't that ridiculous? Isn't you that really so sad? Uh, are, you, are you both self-employed? Can you please give me some advice on how you are dealing with getting healthcare coverage? I have a family and my wife, and I are, we are in our late 40s, so having healthcare while self-employed is a major hurdle. I need to overcome if I'm going to start my own business. So, Chris, let me take this one first. I think my situation's a little less complicated. Um, we are both self-employed, right? Yeah. So I uh, I just buy health insurance on the Obamacare exchange. Now that might not that advice might not last much longer. 
given uh, you know the new uh, Republican-controlled House, Senate, and presidency, effective like a week and a half from now. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I'm doing. I, I will say it is not fun. Um, you pay a lot of money for not that much coverage, and your copays are crazy, and your deductibles. Are br- I mean, I think um, for my wife and my son and I, I must pay. I think like five fifty or five seventy five a month, and you know my wife needs glasses, and that's automatically a couple hundred in cash. Yeah, yeah. So my yeah. Uh, mine is uh, just been it was just raised from two twenty for last year to two forty eight, mm. and boy, do I know that. I don't know. I don't even know what my paycheck Wait, is. Wait, two twenty? How are you paying so little? Just me. Oh, just you. Okay. Yeah. I I could not even tell you what my paycheck amount is, but I could tell you how much I'm paying for health insurance because that $248 that's being taken out of my account every single month is desperately missed every month. $248, and I have not gone to the doctor, and I'm not saying this to brag. I just have not had enough of a reason, and I have lots of work to go to the doctor in like the last three, maybe even five years. And so I feel like with car insurance, my health insurance should be dropping. Uh, because I'm not a cost factor to them, but yet I'm paying $248 a month for something I I may not even use. And I, I, I very deeply and in, uh, actually intended to just not have health coverage, which I know is – I would never suggest that for anybody else. But no. I, I just – I really needed that $248 a month. Yeah. And so I considered just not doing it and just paying the tax penalty um, and going medieval on this thing. But then I accidentally renewed by paying, the, by paying my bills and um, – so now I'm signed yeah. up again for another year, so well, I guess I'm in it. I mean, I'm in the literal – people who listen to the show for a long time will know I'm in the literal opposite side of the boat as Chris. Heart attacks, congenital heart failure. It's a good time. Yeah. Um, yeah, my, my, I, uh, my I get f- hammered with incredible bills that – you know, one issue I, – I don't know. It's state by state. So, it, Paul, it will matter your state. But uh, in New Jersey, the health insurance companies try to not cover things. Yeah, well, yeah. So you'll, you'll spend a lot of time fighting collection agencies saying, wait a minute, I have health insurance. They have to cover. Like, it's, oh, it's a hassle. I mean, it, it probably is the worst thing about being self employed. Yeah, I would say that's true. It, I mean, number two is obviously taxes, but that's just sort of, you'll get used to it. And the thing about healthcare is it's always an up, up it's always a rising cost with less and less perks. Um, one, two more last comments on mine. I think my, um, I think my deductible is $5,000, so I will never oh, wow. I will never spend that this year. I will never spend through that fi- unless I have a massive accident, which would really be awful. Uh, and my fiance, Hadia, she has diabetes, and so she has to have something. I think it's more like 380 a month or something like that. Uh, sure. Much more higher coverage, and she has less deductible. Um, but even with hers, she actually, unless she goes to the doctor for something else, with her monthly prescriptions that she gets for insulin and test strips and all of that – she still doesn't burn through her deductible. Yeah, I burned that baby. But but wait, uh, can we pause? Mazel tov. Did I hear fiance? That's true. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I, uh, I I tweeted it, so of course I figured you saw the ent- my entire tweet thread. Obviously. No, I, I stalk you like a like a hawk. I, I mean, figured you pipe it into like an RSS feeder and then have it a widget on your iPhone seven. You know, when I'm in the shower, screen. I actually have a, a waterproofed iPad in the shower. It's yeah. just your tweets. Yeah, while we were in California for Meet BSD, we were down there hanging out with the Berkeleys and the BSD hippies, and something just came over us, and we're walking down the street, and she started. Uh, she proposed to me. Oh, how modern. I know. I, you know what? I, I have it all on camera, too, because I was recording at that very moment, so I all just right. put a link I, in the chat You know room. what? I will show up to Linux Fest Northwest this time, and I want to meet this gal. <laughs> she, she's not going to try to get me to install BSD, right? No, she's, uh, she's an Ubuntu Mate user, actually. Oh, 
you know, I like Matei. I'm, I'm still on Unity. Yeah. I'm, I'm she's got on one, Unity. She's right got one now, Unity but. system now too. That is also oh, something. Congratulations! Yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you. You know, I'll put a link a in the. I'll put a link in the show notes. No, not not a date for marriage because that's going to be dependent on when I can go on the road for like a month. Right. And once I can do like a month long trip, that's when everything else will click into place. Now, is she also a marijuana user? <laughs> you assume I am one by what? By, by what? Actually? You're from Washington State. <laughs> you must be a pothead. You know, that I, is what I know. I actually recently did uh, uh, this uh, CBD treatment for um, the seriously awful. Um, oh, you went into treatment. That's good. Yeah, treatment uh, for the for the seriously seriously awful like debilitating carpal tunnel that I got before the holidays. It was really awful. It was the worst pain you ever. You should use the DOS keyboard. Well, I'm I'm actually trying to consider what I'm going to do in the future to prevent uh, prevent that. Okay, Maybe so we talked about this years ago. The next email, the one that's um, uh, Avid's, um, Avid. it doesn't. Yes. Uh, it says uh, the link is expired. Did you like link it uh, up like forever ago? Do you I remember the gist like, of it? I remember. It. Yeah. So uh, Avid has a 14 year old son who's learning Java and C sharp. Um. And his son, he wants his son to do a clone of a Mac app for him. And he was wondering what is the best thing for his son to look at. You know, if he's already doing C Sharp, take a look at Xamarin, right? Um, yeah, obviously that's he's good 14, one. so there's going to be a hell of a learning curve. But I would definitely encourage you, you know, at that age, it's probably best to stay with one thing. And you know what? Xamarin Mac apps look fine. Go for it. There you go. Wow. From the Dominic himself. That was a quick one. That was, was a quick easy, one. Easy. Okay. All right. Well, and, oh, and, and great job encouraging your 14-year-old to learn development, by the way. That is cool, that's, isn't it? That's an achievement in its own. Craig has a question for us. Uh, C, I'm currently studying computer engineering at a university at my university, and as part of the course, we've learned C programming, which they say replaced assembly. And my question to this is... What can I use C programming for now? From my point of view, it looks like C has already been replaced by C++ or maybe even C Sharp and other languages. Thanks, mm-hmm. Alex or uh, Loie Farn yep. in the IRC. Thanks, Loie. Uh, so uh, you ever hear of Linux? <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that because I just had uh, I just had um, Ike on from the Solus Project and he says they're re- rewriting a lot of their tools in C. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I know that's a flippant comment, but a lot of memory-constrained environments are still running C, right? Systems programming, Linux operating systems, things like that. But also, if you're doing any of these IoT things, like I have been as a hobby, picking up like Raspberry Pi boards and things like that now. Granted, Raspberry Pis today are a lot more powerful than they were, you know, four years ago, to the point where you can run like a full CLR or JVM on them. But, you know, back in the day when Chris and I were fighting raptors to get our chips you couldn't right you had a linux kernel and you were basically anything you were doing quote-unquote iot style was going to be in c or c plus plus i don't know i mean i can tell you as a old-time ios developer who still gets called to do occasionally old-timey mac and ios things there's a lot of C and C++ running around even in that environment, right? Because Objective-C was just a, a nicety on top of C. So I, I see I have a hard time with these kind of emails because I end up looking at C all the time. Yeah. Observe in the chat yeah. room says I write C every day, but there are a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff that's written in C that I don't get why it is even written in C. Like libvert 
It could really be just a bunch of scripts to manage different types of hypervisors. So I guess maybe that's part of the confusion is sometimes C gets used in place that doesn't need to be. And sometimes well, that's because that's what people prefer or that's how things are done. I mean, it's kind of a gold standard. That That's true, too. So you're not ever going to go wrong by learning C. That seems like that's yeah. – if that's your foremost question, can I use it? That's his – if that's – if Alex, if that's your foremost question, yes. The answer yeah, would be yes. Yeah, you're going to use it. I mean, you know – a lot of the stuff you're using in terms of like, you know, let's take the um, Cocoa libraries. A lot of them are still written in C. Uh, let's look at the Microsoft the CLR. There's a lot of C++. Uh, obviously, C++ is a first-class language on the Microsoft side, but under the hood, a lot of things are still written in C. A lot of libraries, a lot of frameworks that you're calling, um, particularly, I know, obviously, I know the Mac side better, are straight C libraries. So, huh? So we got so we had we heard from Paul, Avid, Craig, and Alex. So thanks to you guys for writing in jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact. Although, what was Craig's email? I don't remember Craig. Uh, well, Craig was the one that uh, didn't load prop. One of the ones that didn't load properly because it was like oh, his was about Google Page Speed. Yeah, that's right. Do you have a? Did you did you have a summization of? Yeah, I don't know a lot about Google Page Speed, Craig. It's something I've been looking into too. Um, is it worth? His question was, is it worth it or not to worry about? Well, I kind of think it is. It is. Okay, why Why do you think it is? Because I was going to say no. Well, if I – okay, so if I recall, uh, you're talking about like making – well, maybe I'm, I'm thinking of uh, like Google's speed test for like how fast your site is and how fast, how fast it loads on uh, mobile. Is like that what you're talking about? It's like a Google thing now. It's not just – yeah, yeah. It's not the downranking for slow sites. Hmm. Okay, well, maybe I don't know. Because yeah. when I go to, when I go to uh, their page about it uh, that says this page has been moved and – <laughs> it's not here anymore. But you yeah, can put your that, own page in. Let's try it. Let's do it. Let's see what happens. Let's run it through. I'm sure this could be interesting because, you know, we're running a WordPress site, so God only knows. So I'll do the full uh, I'll do the full www.jupiterbroadcasting.com. We'll see what it says. Let's check it out. Oh, God. It's analyzing 69%, 70%. Okay, so this is really part of the web. This is the same tool when I'm in their uh, web admin dashboard. This is just, yeah. yeah you, this is the value. So, yeah. how did you do? Uh, not usually not good. Uh, oh, here we go. Sixty-six out of a hundred. Eliminate render blocking JavaScript and CSS and above fold content. I did. I did seventy-one out of a hundred on Buccaneer.io. Same thing. Eliminate render blocking JavaScript. How'd you do on desktop? Uh, desktop, eighty out of a hundred. Same with the uh, render blocking 81. JavaScript. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, so this is part of their webmaster tools, and you do yeah. need this. And this is one of the reasons why I think Jupyter Broadcasting doesn't sometimes do as well as it should in search, uh, because we don't we don't do very well at this. The problem is, is there's just a huge trade off when you're using WordPress Ooh. and WordPress plugins. You kind of you kind of just suffer unless you really invest in in optimizing that stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm checking out DominicM.com now, and it's uh, it's not pretty. Maybe 2017 will be the year I move off of WordPress. But I and I've talked about it before on this show. But the the challenge I keep coming up with is I essentially end up rebuilding WordPress. Like we had a whole yeah. we had a whole thing charted out, and it was essentially it was 60 percent of what WordPress does. And then it's and then and then that oh, to me isn't enough to tip it to something now that we have to maintain ourselves. Something that only we have tribal knowledge on, like that—that that is not enough of an incentive to move off of WordPress. But then I look at things yeah. like this, and I'm like, "Damn, I know that could be better if I had more control over that site." And it does more than I need it to do. 
And it exposes me to more vulnerability than I need for the website just needs to facilitate download links for MP4s and MP3s. Right. It doesn't need to be much more complicated than that. And so I don't need a whole CMS. Well, you know, I'm in the same boat, but the problem is like last year I tried rolling my own and it was more work than it was worth. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and to be fair, DominicM.com has always been on WordPress, but, uh, Buccaneer.io uh, is now on Ghost. And BuccaneerTech.com yeah. is a it's a WordPress site, but Ghost was definitely on our list of considerations. But again, you end up making Ghost. Ghost is good, but if you want like anything that's more like a regular website, it gets really weird and really hard. Yeah, yeah, which I don't love. But yeah. Yeah. all right, Mister Dominic, while you're talking about building your own thing, you know one of the biggest challenges to building your own project and building your own infrastructure is scaling, especially when you find yourself all of a sudden in a situation where you need to scale fast. I worked in a, I worked in an environment where we had up to at one point a hundred terminal servers, but we started with three, and I had to figure out how to scale that and go beyond just the the knowledge set that I had. Back then, there weren't very many, very many resources for somebody like me, not even really Google. And so I can only now imagine if I was in the field, if I could have access to something like ScaleYourCode.com. I want to say thanks to ScaleYourCode.com for sponsoring this episode of the Coder Radio Program. What I love about this resource is it surrounds you with industry experts who share their knowledge on scalability, performance, and reliability. This would have been a game changer for me. I would have been able to respond to my users' needs much faster. It would have made management much happier. We got the job done in the end, but I could not imagine having access to something like this. Interviews and blog posts, interviews with experts like David Heimerman, He's the founder of Ruby on Rails and the CTO of Basecamp. Jeff Atwood, who co-founded Stack Exchange and Discourse. Jeremy Edgeberg, who was the chief architect of Reddit and the, one of the founding members of uh, the Netflix site reliability engineering team. Go over to scaleyourcode.com scale and look at, while you're there, their blog. I was just digging around over there and I thought this might be something that would be appealing to our audience. How HTTP2 is actually different and should we minify which is just something that we were talking about in a sense. And this is also something Google takes into consideration. And I can barely wrap my head around HTTP2 just thanks to what Alan's explained in TechSnap. So a resource like this to be able to go refresh, it's just an example of some of the great stuff they have over here and why you should actually consider it. And they have, look at this at the end. They end it with a nice quick recap. I really like that format. That works really well for me and it'll probably work really well for you too. You can get access to the interviews and blog posts for free. ScaleYourCode.com. Learn how others run tools in production and learn from the mistakes they've made so you don't have to make the same ones. It's pretty awesome. ScaleYourCode.com. And a big thank you to ScaleYourCode for sponsoring the Coda Radio program. I would have done anything to have a resource like that back in the day. ScaleYourCode.com. Thanks, ScaleYourCode. All right, Mr. Dominic. Now, we do have, like, some proper hoopla to get into, like traditional uh, show style. And I, you, know, you know, this is a retro show, baby. I feel like I should be shouting this one, but I don't want to be obnoxious to the audience. The cost of native mobile app development is too damn high. That was pretty good, right? I got, them, I got the point across. Yeah, you know, I read a good book, The Rent is Too Damn High. <laughs> a tipping point has been reached. The value proposition is no longer there. With the exception of a few unique use cases, it no longer makes sense to build and maintain your mobile applications using native frameworks and native development teams. Now, here's the thing that Nader is saying right here, because I feel like what Nader's saying is what you've been saying through all of 2016. Mm. Did you get that? Did you, did, yeah. you, did you feel that? I felt that. I was like, oh, 
I see how it is. So if you put it on medium, you get a whole bunch of uh, clicks. Yeah. <laughs> is that I know? No, you know what? Actually, the way it works, Mr. Dominic, is uh, you have to have a somewhat you have to have like a somewhat like uh, influential Twitter following. So they'll retweet for you. You have to listen to the Coda Radio podcast, ruminate on it, and then post on media. Regurgitate that idea. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I have a bone to pick with you. Oh, me. Oh, me. I just got done listening to the Linux Action Show. Never heard of it. Sunday. Never heard of it. Uh, it's, it's garbage. Um, anyway, you're going on and on about all these Mac people going to Linux. I don't even get a shout out. You're right. And I always give you a oh. shout out. I mean, come on. I know. You know, to be fair, though, I do generally give you a mention. I do. You do. You do. do. No, I'm, I I'm forgot. Just You're right. You are, you know, and I should because you illustrate my case. I should have. Yeah, really. I mean, right now I'm on Ubuntu. You know, I so, blame Noah. I blame Noah. I, you know, that, I, I always thought that Noah guy was no good. I just. This is interesting out. because he's got some prices in this article for like even just like the yeah. minimum viable product. Like wireframing, uh, app screen designs, the native development itself for iOS and Android, which, you know, both both can kind of rank in depending on how big you are from $9,000 all the way up to $90,000. Uh, I find that amazing because people complain to me to do uh, – when I say you have to do a D&D for $2,000, which includes a prototype. Yeah, I know. But yeah, people are cheap. I know. So yeah, native development. I love native. Native is great. Native is probably not the right answer in a lot of cases. Uh, yeah, I suppose that's probably yeah. the message we've been we've been sort of we've been sort of chewing on now for about a year, and I think it's probably accurate. I think the the nuance there is, it's 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 there, there's exception for performance, but what what we still are waiting for, I think, and maybe I'm wrong, but what we're still waiting for is for the consumer and the people that are requesting for the development to come to that understanding. Is that what you? Well, you know, I'm I'm seeing a lot of requests for like non-native development now, actually. Uh, a truly frightening amount of Xamarin development being requested. and I blame Microsoft. I, I, I always blame Microsoft. And, uh, you know, I've been doing UWP, Chris. It's been... Oh, yeah. How is all that going? Uh, horrible. Is it? Is it rough? It, it's... You know what? I wanted it to be able to be done in JetBrains Rider IDE. Yeah, I remember you saying that. Yeah. And you can't. They don't support UWP. So, yeah. I'm doing it in Visual Studio on a partition on the lemur. It's not fun. Is it? Uh, is the lemur two-core? Uh, I think it is dual-core, yeah. Yeah, and how is that performance-wise? Is that rough? Is the screen real estate a little too tight for Visual Studio? Uh, well, I, I tend to run in clamshell mode, but even laptop mode you is You animal. Bad. Why do you not take advantage of a second screen? I do not understand you clamshell guys. Oh, are you going to lay that? Uh, not only, not only is the it screens better. screens are not the same resolution. I know that. I understand that. But that's what you so – here's how it works. So first of all, consider the thermals. The thermals are better with the screen open. But second of all, consider this. You could have secondary tasks on the, on the non – on the on the on the lower resolution screen. So like I will often have Slack and Telegram on the off resolution screen. And one of the things I've adopted is a totally vertical screen for my chats. So I, and my docs. So I can have very long docs and telegrams and slacks on one screen and then my work work, the stuff I'm really working on is all virtual desktops on my main screen. I still use virtual desktops on my main standard resolution screen. It's a it's you know, it's like a 
Well, it's, so, it's great. It's like a, it's like the perfect work. So you could do the same thing with Lemur. You could have that 14-inch screen going and throw Slack on there or whatever. So I have considered that, right, just th- making the 13-inch screen a Slack screen. But why? Like I have virtual workspaces. I have all this other – You know, because it's just nice to have certain things. Oh, oh, something else I'll do is like if I have something building in the terminal or downloading the terminal, I'll throw that terminal on that screen just so out of my peripheral vision I can keep an eye on the task and I know when the build's done or the download. I don't know. I, you know what? I get it. And I will say that I used to do it on a 13-inch Mac, yeah. actually a MacBook, a Mac Air at the time, where I'd have a cinema display and a 13-inch. But I, for some reason, I would be more willing to buy another Dell monitor yeah. and have twin Dell monitors than to have two my preference as well. screens. That's yeah. my preference, but I still – and then I really feel like I can spread my entire workspace out because it's the windows are right. fit the same. Yeah, but if I – but I still adapt, and if I got the smaller screen at a different resolution – just different sense of, different sets of tasks there. Uh, but anyway, so, so you want to you want to move into uh, the official predictions segment of the show. I feel like we should have some sort of predictions. I hear. How about this? Budweiser commercial featuring the crew cut. Where there's life, there's fun. There we go. That's your uh, 2017. You know, you know what beer we've never had on the show? Budweiser. Yeah. <laughs> it's ironic. <laughs> throw that right out there. <laughs> you know, we should do it sometime. You know beer I haven't drank since I was like 13. Well, I, yeah. We should do it for like 250 or something. I don't know. No, you're, you're, you don't pay me enough to drink a Bud. What about 243 or like something where, I mean, you know. Are, are you really going to ask me to buy a can of Budweiser? <sighs> I know that is rough. You're right. If you're ever I mean, here, I might, if we ever do Coda Radio in person, that's when we'll do it, and I'll buy it so you don't have to, because I don't want to ask that of you. Yeah, you're right. I don't even want to give them money, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 That's true. I'll take care of it. If we're ever, maybe right. we'll do the lime one just so you have a treat. <laughs> no, not the lime one. I'll, at least give me like the regular. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. I want a can, silver and red, oh, yeah. and I'll do it like that. Yeah, that's nice. All right, so kind of interestingly enough, and not too surprisingly, your first prediction for 2017 Sort of fits in nicely with uh, the story we just covered in the Hoopla. Boom. Hybrid continues to dominate in the Enterprise. I will not sacrifice the Enterprise. I think this is a very sound and solid prediction that's likely to be very right. It's super economical for enterprises. It gives them the flexibility they need in platform agnostic. That's an official word just makes sense right enterprises have web developers they're probably going to gravitate towards either c sharp if they're a net shop i.e xamarin solutions yeah or web solutions like ionic if they're angular or you know anything horrible and react are you crapping on electron because uh one of my favorite applications on the desktop why right am now? i crapping on electron right well now? i first of all i feel like you're not giving enough credit and second of all i think it's not all of that big of a compromise anymore i mean i, I, realize... I, I like electron i'm using electron apps right now oh you are oh skype i'm i just shipped an electron app you did and mm-hmm. you're using skype right now which is an electron app on linux yes uh okay so uh, how did it go Shipping it or using Skype? No, no, I don't care about Skype. <laughs> I don't give a, no, I don't care about Skype. I, uh, how, how was your experience shipping Electron? App? Super easy. I had a customer who had an old school Chrome app from a couple years ago. They called and were like, "Yo, can you package this in something and make it run on a Mac desktop?" And I was like, "Sure." Packaged it in Electron app, gave it to them, and they were happy. 
That's nice. I'm using two. Uh, very much, was, uh, I'm using one that's for Slack, and I'm using one for N1, and uh, really think it's... Yeah, it's, it's really not that It's not that bad. bad. No. Right. Yeah. No, that's really not. All right. So how about the next one? Vapor or some other server-side Swift framework gets serious support slash adoption. We haven't talked yeah, about Vapor for a little bit. So I'm on a limb here, right? I'm still one of, as far as I know, one of one actual sponsors of Vapor right now financially. So there's always that. Um, yeah, I think that there's enough kind of buzz and community support behind Swift on the server that one of these guys is going to do it. I could see after WWDC all of a sudden some momentum behind this. And then yeah. by the end of summer, something's starting to gain traction in the community. Possibly. No, I'm not I'm not sure if it's going to be Vapor. I mean, I hope it is. I, I Again, I do financially sponsor Vapor. But I would like them to... You know, I'm a little worried by like how much attention Perfect has been getting. That's Seems what like I was they're thinking. Not, they're not winning the PR game, which my opinion is that in these kind of things, PR is more important than actual yep. technology. Yep. So Perfect's got a great name. Yeah, and and and, and they have a great logo, the little origami swan, right? And they're they're just getting a lot of like hacker news love and a lot of Reddit love. Where Vapor, I think, is actually the better framework, but doesn't uh you know they're just not that out there right vapor.codes and uh, perfect.org are the two places to check yeah that stuff. yeah yeah like vapor if you ever want to come on the show i obviously like you <laughs> i give you money i'm just saying <laughs> uh, i like the mac unrest among devs continues because i've been thinking that too i'm calling it the max exodus Oh, it's not going to be an exodus, but... I think it's an exodus in the sense that there's a group of users dissatisfied or leaving. I'm not making it out to be some sort of massive... Well, here, let me me hit you with this. The the Mac community is very hierarchical, right? There are winners who are big winners, and there are losers who are everybody else. I think a lot of the second-tier people who in other communities would be maybe like minor, you know, minor figures, but in the Mac community kind of get bitch-slapped down are going to leave. I think that just makes sense, right? You're not going to, you know, you, uh, f- frankly, it doesn't make sense to stick with the Mac for a lot of reasons. Personally, I think it's too expensive. I think the hardware is not going in the right direction. And if your core competency is something other than like taste making and design, well, Mac's probably not uh, in the same direction as you right now. Now, Apple could always pivot. They could always fix it. And it would be relatively easy for them to do that. But the question is, do they have the will internally to do that? And do the old school Mac people inside of Apple have the political capital that they could override, let's say, the hardware design division, which is, I think, the one that's off the rails? I would agree to some extent there. I think it's a, it's a systemic problem within Apple. So Apple Apple didn't even meet their own internal projections uh, the Mac well, sales took a big pay cut, right? Fifteen percent. And the Mac sales uh, have been really lackluster for the last year, and part of that is because of the gutting of the Mac division. And I think you see it in two ways: you see it in the lackluster updates to the Mac line, or complete lack of, or you see it in the software. Mac OS, Mac OS really. It's sad, but it really did peak. It peaked a while back. No leopard. Yeah, and it it really has like the Siri stuff is so stupid. The Siri integration is so stupid. Siri is just obnoxious in macOS, right? Like 
Uh, and and so you know, I, I really believe I, I it's not just like the I, hardware, though. I think it's both the software. I think the software division and the hardware division are both. They both just don't have the same people. They they oh, don't have the people that created Next and Mac OS working there as no, much. It, they have some of them, of course. But. It's not even that. It's not even that. Like all the old talents left. It's design is great, but when designers run your company, that's bad. I suppose. Right? Like, I I feel that what what Apple would need to do is they would need to release a, another MacBook Pro probably by June that, uh, that addresses some of the concerns a lot of people have. I think they should work closely with hardware manufacturers to double down on USB-C. I think they should help hardware manufacturers to do that, just like they helped hardware manufacturers adopt Wi-Fi and USB back in the day. And I think something else that they need to do is they seriously need to look at re-engineering some of the shittier aspects of Mac OS and re-read, like, I'm glad they're working on a file system, but it, it needed to be in production already. So we really need to get a, we need to get our hands around what this new file system, what limitations it's going to have, i.e., what no, drive today, requirements today. is it going right. to have. There's a so lot of things what, that technical users need to know right. about the future of a platform they're going to be buying into, and they need to get this stuff lined up pretty soon. So here is what I would want to see from Mac. I always viewed Mac OS as the Unix, but not sucky. So what that meant is Unix for your work, but also, you know, when you want to watch a video, when you want to help your girlfriend or cousin write a resume, you know, everything just works. Stick to that. Take the best advancements from those crazy satanic BSD bastards. Just throw them in a prettier UI, right? Don't worry about integrating with iOS. iOS is its own thing. Really, like, yeah, that's I, really where it's come downhill. And and the apps that they have moved over from iOS, like Photos and others, are, are awful. just the photos worst. Photos is a literal downgrade. If you, if you were a Mac user from, let's say, four years ago, and you remember the old uh, pictures or photo, whatever. iPhoto. And she's like this huge I-photo. user of it. And, and yeah. you know, she's looked at photos, and it's just... it's Unbelievable it, downgrade. Yeah. I mean, it's horrible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's nice that it does online backup, but she solves that already with her own backups. Well, and who doesn't have Dropbox or Google Drive? Yeah, I, I, you know, and we have a thing about Apple muddling through here. So let's just dive into it. Um, one of our other predictions is Apple continues to muddle through. You know, Lenovo, I don't know if you saw this at CES. Lenovo is releasing a Alexa, uh, you know, home device, Huge. right? Like the Amazon Echo yep. with a much better speaker yeah. and at a very competitive price point. So it's basically the Amazon Echo, but better, right? It is literally running Alexa. But with better hardware at a at a very competitive price, where the hell is Apple? Yeah, you know we have the Google Home, which you know I picked it, so it's obviously not going to win this race. Uh, but Apple has nothing. I mean Siri, but come on, I mean. We, well, I, I I would not I agree with you, except for then I pause for a moment and I go, there are literally millions of iPhones from the 5S up in the wild and iPads that have the S word built into them. And so, so, I mean, if you think about it in that terms, they probably eclipse every other home automated device sold ever in some terms. So in some terms, they have a massive foothold in this market, but they've done nothing to the point where all Mindshare is lost on it. You know what? I am a Google Play Music subscriber. I prefer Google Play Music, but I use uh, Apple Music because I have a family plan for, uh, you know, my wife uses it. 
if if Apple was serious, they wouldn't tie me just into Google Music, right? Or just into uh, Apple, Apple Music. Music. Yeah, I agree. And they would give me a little cylinder on my desk. By the way, my Google Home will be in as soon as we get off the air. I'm moving it right onto my desk because I just took it from the office. You know, we're moving out, and it, I can ask it anything. You know. How, what is Chris Fisher's beard looking like today? And it literally opens your webcam. <laughs> Did I, you see uh, that Alexa is being built into LG refrigerators too? And, and why not? Hey, Alexa, I'm running out of, uh, you yeah. know, butter. Yeah, or whatever Amazon sells, and they're just going to sell more stuff. In I fact, if you don't hot. mind, I'd like to jump ahead one, and we'll go back to your other Let's one, but just since it's on the ahead. theme. Uh, you're, you wrote in here, and I think it's totally uh, solid. Alexa becomes the leading bot ecosystem. And uh, after after CES, also, first of all, you look at the amount of just if you look at just the skills, which are essentially bots um, on Alexa, oh, cancel. Sorry, I'm trying not to do that. Uh, hey, Alexa, on, how you doing, baby? On Echo. If you look yeah. at the they, they have I think we covered it last week. They have exploded, right? The skills have just exploded. Not all of them are great, but some of them are pretty awesome. And TechCrunch says that Amazon and NVIDIA won CES this year. NVIDIA won because of the Shield and their integration with smart cars. Yeah. But Alexa yeah. – uh, sorry, this I'm reading the article. The Echo's presence was mostly welcome. However, uh, they say a fridge is the perfect – they talk about the different places. Uh, Ford announced um, Echo integration. There was uh, integration with some other televisions. There's the integration that you mentioned. So uh, – there's also a BMW is going to be launching at Hyundai, and uh, there was another set of speakers. I mean, it's 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 pretty huge. It's pretty huge at this point. I don't know if it's. I mean, it's not. I'm not saying they're going to run away with it, but I've been saying for a while that they have the business model that best justifies the long term investment in a device like this. They need a storefront, and they don't have storefronts. And instead, they can skip right over storefronts, and they can disrupt the storefront, and they can put it right in your home. I mean, it's an obvious thing for their business, and it it's even more so because, again, with Google, they have the same thing. They have the same territory that Apple has right now, and that's the predominant use. NVIDIA announced that they'll be integrating Google Assistant into the NVIDIA Shield. That's interesting and something I might play with. But right now, I think you're right. I think the Echo is going to be the predominant bot platform, and it's it's growing up. It's blowing up right now, and I've been playing around with it. My kids have been playing around with it. it there's I don't know how anybody's ever going to make money at it, though. Unless you tie it into services. Amazon doesn't care, right? Yeah. And it probably is you tied into services. A lot like apps now, right? You have to have a subscription. And if you have a subscription, you know, one of the other things you can access is the Alexa uh, uh, skill. But I, I you know, I, I obviously like Google Home. But I, I just can't, you know, Amazon's getting a level of momentum here that I don't think... You know, I don't think Google has either the will or the partnerships to be. And Apple seems to be out to lunch doing mm-hmm. something. And when when else. when Amazon announced the forty dollar dot, I think they they yeah. sort of they sort of uh, Chromecast at Google Home. And yeah, that's when you could, when you get something down to that price point, it goes it sells like a Chromecast, and that's really the most successful consumer so, device Google's ever had. And the yeah. the home is a lot more than forty bucks. Well, it's a price point thing, right? And by the way. Where the hell is my Minecraft? I know. I know. I'm watching. I'm watching to see what I happens. I bought one on the Kickstarter. I did like the, the higher backer. They're still updating on the blog. You can still go All read right. updates and stuff. All right. Hey, you know, one of the interesting things I'm finding is, you know, I still want the Google Home in my little uh, backroom den here, but I think I'm just going to buy an Echo for the kitchen. 
Like I feel safer for some reason with the Echo. I mean, I still have it all isolated off on a private network and all of that, which is probably more than most will do. But I, I just, I guess I, 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 I should not believe this, but I, I believe, I believe Google has a, a lot more metrics they're collecting in aggregate about me. And That's the, probably true. Amazon wants to sell you paper towels, right? Right. And Google like, has like they're building yeah. like a huge profile about me, and that's a massive data point. Just because there's all kinds of things they'll pick up on with the sounds in the background and whatnot. They'll be able to they'll probably eventually be able to identify the other people that are, that are in the room with you, what television shows you're watching, what right. music you're listening to, podcasts, etc. So well, that's pretty uh that's pretty creepy. Yeah, and I think Amazon will go as far as they need to go, but I think their main goal is gonna be to sell you stuff and paper integrate towels, with, baby. Right, and you know it's genius because now what do I look at? Whenever I see something on Amazon that integrates with the Echo, I'm more inclined to go that for with a product than something that doesn't. So it's well, I'm I'm you know I'm looking at getting an Echo, and I'm pretty you know we have a a Sonos recently. I I wrote a review of it, those Sonos three. Yeah, and it's pretty frustrating that none of the stuff integrates. Yeah, well that's I think like, probably on Sonos. Yeah, well Sonos, I don't know why I need to use their app to. That's the thing, really. You could put a dot yeah. in each room where you have a Sonos for less money with some speakers. Right. Although speakers aren't as good, and I'm a kind of a bitch, although I listen to vinyl, which we won't get into. I don't know, Fishman. You know, so if Amazon is not available in your country, says, what's the what's the use case? I would probably say you could still use it to query it and find out information, which is actually kind of interesting, especially when your kids ask you questions. And then the other yeah. thing is uh, you could still use it to manage all of your home Equipment. One of the things I find just super quick, I find it really nice is it's a great unifier. Instead of having to use three or four different vendor apps to manage all these different Wi-Fi devices, I use one device, the Dot, and it is the big bridger between all of those using the different mm-hmm. APIs. And so for me, instead of having to hop between apps and Wi-Fi networks, I just bark at the Echo. And so if you've got three or four Wi-Fi devices, which I already had in the studio, it's great for that. Yeah. You don't have to. You don't have to order anything. In fact, I've never bought a single product on on this thing. I don't know if I ever will. I have a feeling that once I get one, I will. So let's move on to the next prediction. Yeah. Do you want to jump back to this. Angular, uh, which continues? Well, let, let, let's take the Google one next. It's okay. Related, okay. Oh yeah. We'll sure. That's Angular smart. Last. I like the way you so, work. Uh, Google. My prediction is Google licenses third party home like devices for Google AI and Google Assistant. And this is an easy prediction because they're going to have to. Or else they're going to fail, right? Can you? What do you? What do you mean? So they license third-party home. What is that? What, what, okay, what do you? Well, just like Lenovo is doing an Amazon Echo. Ah, oh, oh, yeah. of course. License the software. Oh, you know the well, old you Microsoft know, the, At CES, Nvidia did announce the Google Assistant in the That's Nvidia true. Shield, which is tied to your Google account, and so. and. They they allow you to do full home automation control and everything. Like it's the full Google Assistant and the new Shield, which I'm probably not going to get. So I'm, have I'm always predicting on. more of a more of a like home entertainment product, more like a cylinder, just almost more like an Echo or a Google yeah. Home. But yeah, the Nvidia Shield is a great example of they, this already. They need to get sure. it on Android Wear. No, they don't. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they get. No, they really don't. Yeah, though. they do. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Have you seen the uh, Have you seen the watches that have Alexa on them? I'm sorry. Canceled. I have, but hey, Alexa, how you doing? <laughs> um, I have, but it just doesn't make sense. I mean, I don't know. The, the wear sales figures are depressing. Here, here's where it makes sense, actually. Here's where it does make sense. Once you've once you've gotten some devices automated, you having having you all all you have to do is have them associated with your Amazon account, and then any of the Echo devices 
have access to manage them anywhere. And so if you have a Echo capabilities on your watch, you would have access to control any of your home devices via your watch. Same with Google Assistant. So if you're using the home automation aspects of it, the Alexa service, cancel, is directly tied into all of your Alexa account stuff. Hmm. So that could be why. Okay, maybe, maybe. I actually used it. So we recently had to uh, spend a night in the studio because my water was frozen for five days. And uh, on the fifth day, I decided, okay, all right, I'm going to give. And we left, and the we have a little portable heater that was left on. And uh, I turned it off, and then on our way home, I turned it. I turned it back on so we could start warming the place up. It's very, it's very useful. All right, all right. So now all you want right. to talk about Angular? Oh, uh, let's talk about Angular. Ooh, continues to lose ground to React JS and Vue, but remains enterprise darling. No longer popular with the cool kids, but the people, the dark matter developers, still so, tooling away. And this is sort of already happening, right? So this is a little bit of a cheating one. Um, I'm not sure what happened in 2016, but uh, I'm I'm seeing a lot more now. To be fair, Vue, which we never talk about on the show, is very popular in China, oh. or as Donald Trump would say, China. China. Yeah. Okay. And but it is coming. It is more popular, and I'm seeing a little more buzz about it. And obviously, React, which I, what can I say about React that I haven't already said about dog shit? But hey. oh, oh, uh, yeah, Angular. You know what? Angular seems to be losing ground. At least in the hacker news medium set, and in the hyposphere, yeah, I think it's going to continue to. Hmm. What about uh, think, what about TypeScript? Well, so I have a theory that the reason it's been losing a lot of love is because of the TypeScript connection, because they went for TypeScript. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't particularly like TypeScript. I don't understand why you can't use JavaScript. <laughs> Well, you and do. You do. I'm not but, alone, right? Uh, like, okay, go ahead. Well, go you ahead. looked at it. You looked at it. I mean, I looked at it, but I was like, okay, but I could just use JavaScript. Like, yes, that was your conclusion. Yeah. Oh, and with ECMAScript 6, which, by the way, I thought I had an Oh, we skipped one, right? So another prediction we had on this list is TypeScript gains are going to roll back due to ES6, ECMAScript 6, mm. i.e. the next version of JavaScript's mm. adoption. And the reason for that is ECMAScript 6 you know, if your reason you don't like JavaScript is it doesn't have classical inheritance and classical classes, well, ECMAScript 6 has you covered. They have classes. You shouldn't use them, but they have them. You're still wrong. But you could still use them if you want to now, I right? Suppose so. like, I suppose so. So that's, you know, I don't know. Mr. Dominic. Oh, by the way, promises are great. Keep going. My prediction for 2017 is we all create more droplets at DigitalOcean. Go to DigitalOcean.com. Use the promo code CODERDIGITAL. It'll give you a $10 credit. You just apply that to your account after you've already signed up. And then you can spin up a rig for $5 a month or you can pay hourly, which is pretty darn cool. For like $0.03 an hour, I get a 20-gigabyte SSD, which is sweet. Three terabytes of transfer, two CPU cores, and all the droplets have their sweet, simple, intuitive interface that makes it simple if you're a brand newbie. Or an expert. Also, you'll love the fact that they have a data center that's, n- that's likely somewhere in your area. They have data centers all over the world in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, London, Toronto, Germany, India. And they have a sweet, smooth, easy as butter to apply API. I They should run with that. I think that's actually pretty good. It is really nice, though. In fact, we use it here at Jupiter Broadcasting to use some of our bots to turn things on and off as we need them for production. 
DigitalOcean.com. Use our promo code CODERDIGITAL. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. So if Mike keeps up with the feedback, you could do that by going to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact, choosing Coder Radio from the dropdown, or emailing us directly, coderradio at jupiterbroadcasting.com. And I said, oh my gosh, the subreddit, coderadio.reddit.com. I feel like I almost completely forgot that. I'm sorry, subreddit. I love you guys. Coderadio.reddit.com. I usually go there at least once a day, three times a week maybe, and definitely before every single Coder Radio at coderadio.reddit.com. That's where I found out by a chaotic kernel that Trello is being acquired by Atlassian. Did you hear about that? That's going to be big. Yeah, I did. I, uh, I'm one of the few people who likes Jira and doesn't like Trello, so. Oh, uh, the beard really wants us to try out Trello here at Jupiter Broadcasting. Oh, my God. All I have to say is talking about productivity is not productivity. That's true. That's true. But Atlassian seems to think it's worth it. I think they dropped likes. Yeah, I don't understand why they bought this. I mean, and to be fair, I have a Trello business subscription, but it's just not. Oh, really? So you're not a big fan, huh? What do you prefer instead? Jira. Oh, yeah, you said that. So two, oh, here's here's what the number was. Trello for $425 million uh, with $360 million in cash, and the remainder is going to be in stock, which makes it Atlassian's largest acquisition to date. Also, maybe worth just one thing to point out before we uh, wrap up for the day. Uh, I guess like today is the iPhone's 10th birthday. Yes, happy birthday. I guess that's a thing today. And uh, so there's an article, and I'll link it in the show notes. Phil Schiller on the iPhone's launch, how it changed Apple and why it will keep going for 50 years is what Phil says. Wow, they really they really do have a long-term plan to kill the Mac, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> is that horrible? That's what I read into that. That's what yeah. I read into that. Is the iPhone's going to be their 50-year platform, and that's why they're slowly killing the Mac. I, I think I'm just a negative Nancy, Mr. Dominic. No, I think you're right. And, you know, I, maybe next week or the week after, we'll have to have a Death of Mac episode because I, I have a lot of strong feelings on why they're doing it and why they're wrong. Hmm. It's powerful. Go to radio.reddit.com for your thoughts or the contact page like we mentioned earlier. Also, we'd love to have you join us live over at jblive.tv. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar to get it converted to your local time. We do it at noon Pacific, which is like some crazy time at like 3 o'clock or something East Coast. You do the math of the calendar page. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you right back here next week. <laughs>